Effort. Hey, uh, you're listening to A to Z, and we're a uh, car seat headrest. Uh, best podcast in the world. <laughs> Welcome to the Music A to Z Podcast. I am Steve Ferguson. And I am Douglas Ferguson. How is it going, Doug? It is going okay. We've had, I would dare say, most of the summer off at this point. But, I mean, uh, we've, had a, uh, we've had a pretty eventful summer. I mean, first and foremost, our uh, province is on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's uh, that. <laughs> but, you know, it was. Uh, I feel like it was more on fire last year, to be honest. I feel like... Well, maybe that just the wind happened to be blowing the smoke more to the city. I don't know. I don't know what the acreage is. I just feel like it's not. You know what? 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 What is the world today that it just feels like a province being on fire is not as big news as it was last year? You know? Well, in fairness, our month of June was mm-hmm. a rainy, chilly June. Yeah, yeah. So it gave us a buffer. Yeah. If we didn't have that, it would be Armageddon. <laughs> Probably, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, basically, I thought I would let you know about some of the albums I've picked up recently. Oh, uh, Just a few of them. I'll let you know about some of mine, Stephen. Mm-hmm. MGMT. I don't care. Little Dark. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Dang. We're off to a good start. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. MGMT. Go on. MGMT, Little Dark Age. After what I felt was kind of a ho-hum self-titled album, even though one of my favorite songs of all time is on that self-titled mm, but album. But a great song an album does not make. Or exactly. A great album. A good song a great, great, great album doesn't make. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this one this one I think is, is really good with some fantastic songs on it. I finally got my hands on that Empire of the Sun album which I, it's, it's amazing. The first one. Oh really? Yeah. I've, I've never had it. I've never owned it. Oh. Yeah. You know what? I don't think I own it either. Mm-hmm. But yet I, I know I have it on my iTunes. Maybe I bought it digitally. I've also uh, picked up this uh, Mount Kimby album. Mm, yes. uh, oh yeah, is that you? You lent that to me. I, I did. I gave it a listen. It was pretty good. Mount Kimby, love what survives. Yeah, I actually really, really like Mount Kimby. I'm gonna give that a solid recommendation. Now, I had them on my to buy list from Sasquatch last year. Uh, did we see them? Maybe it was in passing. Or you maybe know, it was all, in, in all the my back. No- I mean, thing is, all my notes about what bands we saw at Sasquatch were on my last phone that died. Mm. So my my list of bands to check out and stuff, it's all it's all gone. It's all gone. Yeah. Um, sad to say. I'm yeah. You might even say, Goodbye, nice to know you. It's too early to transition yet though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a legitimately great album mixing together world beats and electronic and hip hop and stuff. I actually really liked it. I'm just I can't I'm struggling to remember if we actually saw them at Sasquatch, because I don't remember at all, but I definitely wrote them down. So maybe it was just there was nothing else going on, and we are just hanging out, listening and stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, there was, there was so many bands. That's the way it's always been at Sasquatch. Like, did we see that band? I don't know. Did we see it? Did, how much of this show did we see? I don't know. That's why I try to take pictures whenever I can. Yeah. And uh, I, we, I was popped by Sunrise Records uh, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and I said, hey, look, U2 Zeropa has gone to remastering. Uh, they have they had only had like two copies, and I was shocked because I thought for sure they weren't going to be remastering as Europa. I thought for sure because again, when they did the mega awesome two hundred dollar mega mega 
uh, remastering of Octone Baby that includes Europa as a bonus disc. So I was like, oh, shoot, that kind of closes the door around that, I thought. Yeah, but, you know, it was they really gave, gave it the shaft, or at least it seemed that way. But I just feel like they just wanted to put in more discs. Like, they just were running out of ideas. Like, like we got live recordings, we got remixes, we got the album, like, we got the album backwards. Let's just throw in Zuropa. <laughs> what the, whatever, you know? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but I am glad, because, uh, yeah, and then and then I uh, I also picked up Zuropa on vinyl. You actually picked it up first, because I, I wasn't That's able true, to right, at that yeah, time. Yeah. And this, this special edition, uh, this remastering, had two remixes. Uh, there was the Lemon remix. Perfecto? Oh yeah, it was the Perfecto remix, and there was a couple Perfecto mixes on uh, on Melon, their their remix album from the mid nineties, and the uh, the Give Me Some More Dignity mix of Numb, which is one of like the best U two remixes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, remixed by none other than Rob Duggan. Rob Duggan himself, who uh, is due to release something uh, very soon. Uh, he's been releasing a lot of teaser EPs, but at the same time, for the scale of work that he does. I am not at least bit surprised that there are delays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, oh yes, no, I ordered. Um, I even sent you one a song from this. It's uh, from a, an artist called A Beacon School, and he has yes. an EP called Cola that uh, I heard just just surfing through uh, uh, YouTube. This uh, song called "It's Late" floated by my attention, and I was so taken with it. So, I mean, I really really enjoyed it, and I listened to the EP, and I really liked the EP. And, and he has this thing on Bandcamp where it's like, it's $8 US to buy, but if you spend $15 US or more, he will write, handwrite the lyrics and include that. I was just like, okay, that's cool. That's a nice little novel thing. So yeah, I bought that. I mean, I got the digital right away, but I'm still waiting for the physical to come in. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is with Bandcamp. You, mm-hmm. know, you always get a digital album right away, unless it's like pre-order. I also got a few albums. I showed you a picture. I got some albums from the flea market. The Vancouver flea market is... Uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, and holidays, and I've gone a couple times, but this is the first time I bought some records, and it looks like it's a great place to get some used records. Because Are there a lot? There's quite a few. Yeah. I got, for eight bucks, the Yes album, which is an album by Yes. Yes? <laughs> mm-hmm. When's it from? It's one of their earliest ones. It's like their f- second, first or second? From like the late 60s, I want to say. Oh, Okay. Yeah, yeah. Bill Bruford's still in the band. Oh, 1970. Mm. It's from 1970. I've heard it before, but I never owned it, and I really like it. I got Super Tramp's Breakfast in America. Dun, dun. It was a heartache! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the one. And Earth, Wind, and Fire, I Am, which what? Can I see? Uh, features Boogie Wonderland. Boogie Wonderland. Dun, 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 dun. I don't recognize the other songs, but uh, I oh, love me some Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, yeah, and and so and now the thing is, I'm not even 100 percent sure. Like, I I double checked. I was like, for eight dollars, yeah. She's like, yeah, and part of me is like, does she know I got three records, or does she think I got two? Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure I split them. I split them out so that it was like visible that i don't know honestly i think you did your due diligence mm-hmm. as the consumer yeah <laughs> uh there comes a point when when you just like okay if they haven't noticed i've done my best you know <laughs> yeah um i also went to uh, audio pile just today mm-hmm. to pick up acton baby because it was also remastered and re-released on vinyl in a more uh uh, accessible way because the, the last re-release of Acton Baby there was just this huge giant box set yeah. for, for records this one is just a regular old like two uh, two LP 
record release, very affordable. I got it at Audio Pile, which it was less than at Sunrise Records. And uh, I'm Steve, I got bad news for both of us. Uh, Zeroba was also there, and it was like easily $5 less <laughs> than, than at Sunrise. So, you know, you, yeah, you win I, some, I, you lose some. Yeah, you know? I, should, I should pop by. I really should. Yeah. Um, and they also had all that you can't leave behind. So that's the lo- I think that's the last one, and then I'll have my complete YouTube catalog on vinyl. That's cool. Let's go into music news. Number one, Aretha Franklin. Oh, that's hot off the press. Hot off the press. Aretha Franklin yeah, has that passed one, away. Uh, as of uh, recording this, it was just yesterday, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. She was the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, what on earth can we possibly say about Aretha Franklin? Like, what on earth can we possibly well, say? I can say that she deserves a little bit of R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yes, obviously. Well, I mean, well, I mean, I feel like that. Um, I mean, who doesn't know that song? Like, sure. who, who who does who doesn't know R-E-S-P-E-C-T? Mm-hmm. Like that? She's just she's just that iconic. And that's only, like, one of her songs. I know I, somebody just lists off a bunch of them, and I'm like, oh, I know that one, I know that one, I know that one. Uh, and then I promptly forgot what they what ones she mentioned. Um, but, you, you know, chances are you know a, a handful of Aretha Franklin songs. Yeah, yeah major major props to an incredible career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 76 years old. 76 mm-hmm. years Apparently, old. Apparently uh, was very sick for at least a year. Just finally, finally lost the battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, this one's a little bit older. This one came uh, item came out like a week after we released our last episode, the HS for Healer sequence. Oh. And I'm honestly, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm getting sick of this nonsense. I literally, honestly, am. Oh, Chris Brown. Chris Brown charged with felony in Florida. Uh, he was charged with a felony battery because he punched a man last year. The man was taking Chris Brown's picture without permission at a Tampa Bay nightclub. And Brown punched him in the face. Now, okay, I get it. Invasion of privacy, some of these paparazzis, they really get in people's faces and stuff like that. I get it. But I think we would all be, like, foolish to not acknowledge that that's half the reason they're famous. Mm-hmm. It honestly is. Now, do am I, am I condoning it? Absolutely not. But I, I understand if they need to push back and they say, you need to leave me alone and stuff, but... The violence. Well, because well, just think about it this way. Uh, Chris Brown is not the only one who gets paparazzi attention. Mm-hmm. There's tons and tons of celebrities that that do. Again, I, my heart goes out to them because like it is it is very frustrating. It is an invasion of privacy. But you know, I've seen videos of uh, you know guys like Justin Bieber, who you know, where he's uh, one time he he was just trying to drive out of his driveway. He clipped uh, somebody with his car. A, 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 a paparazzi member mm-hmm. and he got out and he like helped them out and he just like he was just very respectful you could tell like that he was annoyed at the whole situation because he was surrounded to the point where that happened yeah and yeah and it shouldn't have happened and it didn't have to happen but he didn't but like he still treated the other person like a human being and he still like he like helped them out of their, to their feet and like and, and called for help and like just and, you know, and Justin Bieber probably deals with that more than Chris Brown. <laughs> Absolutely. So, like, uh, yeah, and I'll honestly, like, there, it, it, he, this is someone who is who's made so much effort to stay in the limelight. That's just it. This is what I'm getting at, though, is that, like, 
if he had done like what I think the uh, responsible and rational thing to do was and bow out, it wouldn't be, you know, they wouldn't be in his face. But because he keeps fighting so hard to be relevant and to be in the news perpetually, oh, I'm going to get a tattoo of a battered woman's face on my neck. It's just, you're screaming for attention. And again, I'm not going to condone the lengths that paparazzi go to. I think it's it can be extremely disrespectful, and I, I think it can be important at times. But am I going to go around punching them in the face? No. The good Lord. So, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like no, I'm, I am uh, not on Chris Brown's side on this one. Uh, which is, uh, <laughs> actually, have I been on Chris Brown's side or anything? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, yeah, so, <sighs> you know, honestly, it's, it's, I just find it frustrating, so. Okay, so let's move into feedback. Uh, Deluxe, as I, the, we had covered them in a few episodes ago. Yep. They're all currently on tour. I had considered going down to see them, but, man, the timing is just not going to work out. It's a busy enough week, next week as is. Oh, and uh, yeah, forget it. So, uh, but that being but said, they'll be around sometime again soon. They are on their Instagram, really interacting with a lot of their fans. When while they're on the road, they're bored, so they're just like, ask us some questions. And they've been doing this for days and weeks and stuff like that. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. And so we had originally tweeted them uh, naturally when the episode was released. Didn't get a response, and you know I always get a little ho hum. You know, too bad when we don't get a response because you know I, I like I like the feedback. I like to be able to. We love hearing them say, "Hey, by the way, you pronounce this wrong." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of our earliest feedback right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, Sarah. So I asked them I asked a question over Instagram, and I said, "Would you like to hear a podcast episode devoted to you? Smiley Face?" And they had responded back via Instagram, "Yes, but the only rule is you can't talk about music." Now, of course, then I took to Twitter. I tweeted and with them, with them tagged in the tweet. I, I showed the picture in the tweet and I said, well, this is awkward and linked the episode, basically. And then they responded back. But, but and I shouldn't have been surprised because they're on the road. So when they're literally on the road, what else are they doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they said... Yeah, talking to each other? As long as I'll take that. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I can imagine... Uh, the closest of friends can only talk about so many things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they said, haha, we actually listened to this on a long drive. There you go. Interesting perspectives. Appreciate the discussion, dudes. Catch you at another show sometime. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, that warms the cockles of my heart. I had said I was strongly considering seeing them in Seattle. I respond back, and which they liked. I would love to, but uh, oh, I can't. It, just the no, timing is just, yeah, the timing yeah. is rubbish. I'm working a couple jobs <laughs> for stars. Yeah. Plus, Family's going to be in town. Plus, there's a bachelor party the next day. Oh, for Mr. Travis? Mr. Tra- yeah, our friend Travis is getting married in a couple very weeks. Very soon. Yeah, very soon. And his bachelor party is that Wednesday. I, then. So, yeah. There's a lot I of definitely, I'm definitely pretty sure I got the day off for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> we should get into our episode. We have a very interesting episode today. I was, I was remarking to Doug that, because Doug had mentioned that his note-taking wasn't particularly exhaustive until basically uh very recently and i completely understood because this was a band that i kind of underestimated in terms of like what their output was actually i made a lot of notes because i have a lot of things to say and then on top of it there wasn't actually this this much before until you're like oh it was what two nights ago you're like oh have you listened to the eps and i was like well i was thinking of skipping them because of the, the album content but then i was like i've got so much time at work 
I'll listen to the EPs too, so thanks a lot. Um, hey, hey, no not as, not as detailed as the albums, but I'm glad I did. But that's getting ahead of myself. Who are we covering this week? We are covering Incubus. Start off with Incubus. What an Incubus is. Doug, what is an Incubus in mythology? Well, Stephen, I'm... Oh, gl- if you don't know off the top of your head, it's okay. You don't need I'm, to. Okay. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, to be completely honest, I... <laughs> no, um, I, you know, I feel like I did know at some point. You probably did. Uh, did you ever see the movie Jennifer's Body? Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried. Mm, uh, I watched... No, I didn't watch it all the way through. I, I did theater checks. Yeah. So I'd occasionally see parts where it just got like a little sexy and then stopped. Yeah, yeah. sounds about right. In the movie, Megan Fox's character, Jennifer, is possessed by a succubus. A succubus and an incubus, they're basically male-female counterparts. They're a form of demon. The incubus, uh, in popular mythology, the incubus, what it does is when you're asleep, it will come and sit on your chest Possibly have... Oh, like bones. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, The cats, yeah. Uh, Possibly have some form of sexual relation with you. Mm. Possibly... Not like bones. Not like bones. According to some... Some versions of the mythos, Incubi and Succubi are the same thing. They just... They switch... Swap genders. Blah, blah, blah. Very interesting stuff. Now, modern day, we tend to think that the reason behind this mythology of the Incubi is sleep paralysis. Are you familiar with sleep paralysis? It's where you can't move in your sleep, like um, like you you can even wake up, kind of, and but you are paralyzed, like physically can't move, and isn't there usually like hallucinations that come with it? Usually, yeah, because your yeah. your uh, your whole brain hasn't woken up properly, so there's still parts of your brain that are asleep, including the part that has frozen your body. Uh, I was actually recently reading about research uh, earlier decades ago where uh, it was with cats that that part of their brain was permanently disabled or removed or something so whenever they fell asleep they would be they would get up and run around and act out it sounds horrifying but Mm. um it does go to show that there's a structural thing about the brain that as soon as you go to sleep you are paralyzed so it is so um does that mean that that's not functioning properly when somebody sleepwalks sleepwalking is kind of tricky because sleepwalking doesn't occur during REM sleep interestingly enough so you're not actually dreaming during sleepwalking that's that's a whole other very interesting avenue of research. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but it is related. So, yeah, so hallucinations are are very common. So this is kind of where the... where the myth... it's assumed the mythos of incubi and succubi come from. 
Because it's just like, and I woke up, but I couldn't move, and I felt a presence in the room, and stuff like that. I find this to be extremely interesting, This the mythology uh, versus the biology, and I think, intentionally or not, it has a lot to do with Incubus, the band, because for listening to the discography, honestly, I feel like the very often suffered from an identity crisis. Trying to find their footing, re-find their footing, find new ground. I felt that this was this was a, a constant, uh, at times struggle, other times goal for Incubus to, to really find who they were and what kind of music they were making. Uh, so I found, yeah, and, and I guess we'll get more into that. I can say they formed in 1991 in Calabasas, Calabasas, whatever, California, which California. Uh, which is the corporate home of the Cheesecake Factory. Oh. Mm. oh how delicious. A few 15-year-olds got together to form a band. Brandon Boyd on vocals, Mike Enziger, a guitarist, Jose Pasillas, 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 on drums, uh, Alex Katunik on bass, although Alex Katunik... Okay, so the, the early days of, of Incubus, folks, they all went by pseudonyms and usually would change per release, whether it was an EP or an album. They would then go through, they would have different pseudonyms, except for Alex, who chose well, from the very first release, Dirk Lance was his, uh, was his pseudonym, which, by the way, I love. Dirk Lance, that's straight out of a comic book or a film noir. Or porno. Or porno. <laughs> uh, however, he seemed to like his pseudonym so much, he's basically kept it his entire career. Well, Whereas hey. the others, at this point, they just go by their names. I mean, um, hey, it works for the edge. <laughs> well, basically, right? Or uh, Axl Rose. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah it's not I, for, I forget that he has a real name, actually, most yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know his real name. I, I don't actually know. I'm yeah. not even sure about that myself. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's easy enough to find out, but you know what? Mm, I don't this, know if this, I want to know. This isn't G for Guns N' Roses. Absolutely not. <laughs> this is I is for Incubus. Yeah. So they're all 15 years old in 91 and get together and start making music. And this takes us to 1995. So just four years later, when they release, a self-release, I should mention, Let Me Tell You About Root Beer with, I must say, an awesome, awesome... I like the cover and I like the name. I mean, it's so... Mid '90s, you know, when there was this fascination with like the '60s and and you know that sort of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's, it's got kind of this, you know, this feeling of like poking fun at old educational films or old sitcoms and sort of thing. We, we can connect to that. Yeah, yeah. There are two songs on it. Now, the first song was called "This Side That Song." And the second song was called "That Side This Song." These songs would then be re-recorded and changed. So the first one would then become New Skin, and the second one would be called As We Think We Is. I felt, honestly, look at that kid's smile. Look at that. He's, he's actually, he looks like he's about to tell me about root beer, and he, he, well, he wants to have a genuine conversation about root yeah, beer. Yeah, but I don't know if he'd be super able to, like, articulate what it is about root beer that he likes. But he's going to try. He's going to give it his best. I, <laughs> I can tell for sure. Uh, I felt it was a pretty good kickoff for a young band, showcasing what sort of sound they were aiming for at that time. Fairly aggressive, but a little eclectic, and a a couple dalliances with ska at times. Yeah, I actually enjoy the CP quite a bit, bit, even though it is outrageously short. 
Uh, I mean, it's basically a single. An EP, calling it an EP is definitely, like, a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> it's, it's basically a it, it's single, a, really, It's two but, songs. It's two yeah. songs. It's, it's, and they're not even, like, long songs. It's, it's seven, it clocks in at 740, basically. Mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's got some funk. It's got some... Uh, some Joke, 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 joke sounds, and uh, you know, it's kind of been lost a bit in the shuffle in my head because <laughs> I listen, I listen to a lot of Incubus the last. Oh time. my god, yeah. Um, but uh, I, you know, it, it's in it's in the right vein of early Incubus. I remember that there were no like, because I listened to this after I listened to like Fungus Among Us and Science. Oh yeah, no, I came back to the so, like yeah, I said, yeah. I came back so, to the EPs recently. It's um. It's it's kind of in that in that mix of incubus stuff, and also because they 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 re-release these songs later on anyway, so it's um, that's part of the problem too. Is there's several songs that they do yeah. come back to over and over again, which can make things a little touchy. Yeah, but at the same time, like yeah, I think that if I listen to that uh, that little single in. Uh, and I was like a rep- record exec. I'd be like, hey, he's got, he's, these kids have got something going on. Especially given their age, too, right? It yeah, would be like, like oh, wow, these kids got a lot of potential. In 19 when it was released. So yeah. probably like, you know. Just like yeah. fresh out of high school. Basically, yeah. yeah. Just a bunch of kids. A bunch of punk kids. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I've noticed about Incubus's LP releases is that they tend to be in the autumn. They tend to be later in the year. Uh, this isn't always the case, but uh, I, I was noticing a pattern. Uh, but off of their Stop Ugly Nail Fungus label, all one word, Stop Ugly Nail Fungus, Yep. they released in November of 95, Fungus Among Us! Among Us or Among Us? Fungus Among Us. Fungus Among Us? Among Us. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like Fungus Among Us, though, because it's just got that power of alliteration to it. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, no, not alliteration, it's rhyme. Hmm? Alliteration is, if it was... They start with the same consonant. Oh. Unless, yeah, it'd be rhyming fungus among us. It is, yeah. Maybe assonance, if similar vowel sounds. Yeah. Um, look, at, look at Doug, he's schooling. <laughs> he's, he's 100% correct, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, it's all, it's all my... Uh, High school English day. Sorry, I, I also I also got to make a sidebar here, and that's Doug had like the perfect setup today. Uh, setup joke. I, I love this. <laughs> uh, we're talking about locations for our mom's birthday tomorrow, yeah, and I uh, I don't know. I usually say the first thing that comes into my mind. So we're talking about a park, but smoky and blah blah. blah. And then I I was like. I said, oh, so, you know, we should do the upside down, basically. Knowing full well that there are very, very few people in that, that group chat who knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my mom has no idea what I'm talking about. Because he was, yeah, he knew that she I knew she wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Doug then chimes in. He says, don't worry if you're confused. We all tend to be sometimes. And our stepdad is just like, well, so what's he talking about? Oh, it's just Stranger Things. He makes these references that he knows other people won't get. Which I love because... You made a reference with that first <laughs> sentence that only I would get. You made it because it's a Duran Duran quote. Don't worry if you're confused. We all tend to be sometimes. But what so, I liked about what I said is that it, although it was a reference, it uh-huh. also wasn't necessarily confusing to No, it was, it was perfectly within context. That's what was brilliant about it, was that it fit perfectly into the conversation and you snuck a reference in just to, just to one-up me, just to, just to beat me in my own game. And I bow, I bow before the victor. It was so good. It was so good. Let's get back to Fungus Among Us. Um, how did, how, oh, wait, I should mention again. The stage names. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We got, uh, we yeah, got Dirk Lance. We got Dirk Lance. Brandon is Happy Nappy. 
<laughs> Mike is Fabio, and Jose is Salsa, just in case we were questioning whether or not he was Mexican. Mm-hmm. He's Salsa. Happy nappy. Um, I, do, I, do like, I really like salsa, for the record. Salsa's good. Yes, lime chips and salsa is my jam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also filmed a music video for Take, Take Me To Your Later. Yeah. yeah, based off of the... I haven't uh, seen the music video. I heard the song. It's it's okay. It's a bunch of them like half naked around the streets of like LA, I think oh, it was. Oh, probably they're and, skateboarding uh, right there. <laughs> there's definitely skateboarding. Uh, uh, yeah. But it's based off of uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy sort of thing. So. Oh, oh okay, um, okay. Did you ever see that movie? I know what it's about. That's yeah. the one where the Coke bottle falls out of the yeah. sky, and they don't know what the hell it is. Yeah, so they, they journey into the... Yeah, no, um, so, I mean... And Take it's... Me to Your Leader is the only song from this that's available through Spotify. The, re- the rest of the album is, for whatever reason, not streamable. Interesting. Yeah. So, I don't know I don't know why that song specifically... It must be due to the la- label stuff. Yeah, um, I yeah it's, it's gotta be, but... Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's interesting. Yeah, tell me, what did you think about the album as a whole? Well, Stephen, thank mm-hmm. you for asking. <laughs> yeah, it's no problem. <laughs> I'm saying, like, man, this is this is raw. <laughs> this is yeah. really raw. But um, you know, uh, to me, that adds a lot to the charm. It's almost like there's there's nothing between them and us. Like there's there's no they're so you can tell they're so young, and there's no level of refinement. <laughs> it's, um, I was reading through the comments of the YouTube video that I was watching it on, mm-hmm. and someone was like, these guys are just trying to be Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I guess so, yeah. But, yes and no. Because it's like, it certainly does have that, it has like that semi-hip-hop style vocals the of, of, the, of that, I guess this era would have been not too long, a few years after... Um, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Yeah. So yeah, the the thudding bass, the hip hop vocals. But like, I get it. Who wouldn't want to be Red Hot Chili Peppers? And, and, was, time? and they're they're both California, and yeah, were, Chili's were huge at this point. Yeah. Blood Sugar Sex yeah. Magic was a massive album. It was. Yeah. 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 Um, there must have been. I mean, we don't know now because it's twenty years later. But there must have been actually passed quite a few chili knockoffs. Oh yeah. yeah. So like maybe this is they're probably just one of the better ones. Yeah. And and also like, you know, it's not like you hear that and you're like, there's not, it's not like there's nothing that's unique to them. And, yeah. Sure. You know? uh, so I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't blame a bunch of a bunch of nineteen-year-old uh, kids for sounding a bit like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I probably would have too in their, sh- <laughs> in their sh- and you know what? In their shoes. They're they self-released this. You know, they put it out. If you don't like it, you don't like it, right? But I mean, it's not like they they conned a major label into releasing it or yeah, or yeah. sold it to a major label under false pretenses. You know, it was it was self-made, right? Um, so this functions as a very fun starting point to their catalog. Yeah, it's interesting because you can kind of see, like, what they could... You can see what they could build off of. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I like it. I, it's not, like... It's not a masterpiece, but it's it's, it's got it's got a serious charm to it because of just how, like, garagey it is. And, like, I don't even know, like, what they had to record the stuff with. Oh, God, yeah. But, you know, also, it doesn't sound, like, cheap. You know, it doesn't sound like it's just like they set up a microphone. I, f- I feel like they, they, whatever it was that they were doing, they were trying their best. Well, it was produced by by a producer, yeah, uh, Jim Wirt, 
He, um, although most of the stuff was later, was afterwards, he produ- also has produced Hoobastank, which makes a lot of sense. Produced Live, Elliot Minor, Alien Ant Farm, which also makes a lot of sense. And uh, although I don't know who they are, I had to include it. He also produced Snot. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't mean as in like mucus. I mean, I mean like the band Snot. No, I figured it out. I, <laughs> I, I mean, everyone produces Snot as in mucus. It's just part of being a person. All of um, this is, but this not is... everyone gets gets a chance to produce the band Snot, <laughs> right? Uh, this one though threw me for a loop. He is also uh, credited as engineering Fiona Apple's album title, which is one of, which is a very critically acclaimed album. Oh, Fiona Apple. Hmm. That yeah. is kind of like the uh, the the um, one that doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is yeah. a bit of an odd. An odd um, but yeah, apparently I read somewhere that Incubus and uh, Hoobastank have a are kind of like friend bands. Like they they do have. I don't know. I don't know. I guess they know each other, or maybe they just know each other through touring. I can't say. I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. I, like Incubus have toured a lot. They were and they were big around the same time, right? Yeah. So anyway. Yes, please. What are your thoughts? Um, I agreed. Very raw, very funk. The Red Hot Chili Pepper comparison is fair, but not to the point where it discredits them. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. But again, it was what was at the time. I mean, we got to look at look. I mean, folks, folks who are just like this sounds like Red Hot Chili Peppers light. Go back to like the early two thousands and pick out all the damn Nickelback soundalikes. Oh, pick out tons. all pick out all the new metal bands, right? Do we remember all of them today? No. But are there a few that still kick around? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Every artist is a cannibal and every poet is a thief. I'll kill their inspiration and sing about their grief. Oh, wise words. And, yeah, I said it's very reminiscent of the rebellious music at the time. And I have no doubt that a teen would buy this, put it on the stereo at home, and the parent will walk in, what is this? What the hell is this? Get this crap off. You know, oh, hands down, I believe that. Yeah, totally. Hands like, down. Yeah, 100% Gen X skateboarders mm-hmm. just, like, being totally into this, like, while they're in high school. Mm-hmm. This, like, this is band of this old, these older kids, and they are, <laughs> and they are just, like, kicking ass. Yeah, you know, yeah kicking totally. ass, kicking ass. Yeah, 100%. Sometimes Boyd just wants to scream. Just sometimes he, he, he just wants to scream. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I went to All Music. I read up about it on All Music. Oh, man, All Music was not impressed with this album. A lot of uh, critics weren't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, but if you listen to it, you, you, you at the same time, you're like, of course, like, critics don't care about it. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's it just, it's one of those ones where it's just not made for for music critics, you know? And going back to the Chili's with that, I mean, like, uh, and Blood Sugar Sex Magic, the ones that, like, the critics will always, you know, go back to are songs like Under the Bridge. So, I mean, most of the album is very much like this. But Chili's were established enough that they knew when to throw in the stuff that, that had emotional resonance, that grounded the album. And they still do that. And the Incubus weren't at that point yet, you know? No, they're just all all vigor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure the song Speak Free and The Answer are basically the same song. It's possible. Uh, I mean, and th- I mean, that's the problem. They're just right after the uh, after each other. I will say though, I felt the album got stale pretty quick, especially around that point. At uh, the second half, it started to get stale for me pretty quick. This is a complaint I will have all throughout the career, and the song "Psycho Psychosilocybin" really emphasizes this. Great instrumentation, but Boyd's vocals were not doing it for me. 
I was like, I'm just, I'm not on board with it with the way he's doing his vocals. And then uh, the movie, this the album just kind of ends. Uh, I there wasn't really a wind down. You, you know, uh, structurally, it's not quite there. Yeah, know? yeah. There's, it doesn't. It does just feel like they recorded a bunch of songs. They they have ten songs. They put them on an album and. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I could restructure this album to um, to have a good close. I don't know. I, I haven't given it that much that much of a listen to sit down and stuff like that. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'd, I'd even want to. I mean, it did what it, what they wanted it to do. Again, I, I don't want to judge uh, a bunch of 19-year-olds. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hold them to a standard that they weren't ready for, especially given how much work they were already doing with this uh, with this album and stuff. So for, for what it was and how old they were and, and how long they'd been making music and stuff, it's it's fine. It's serviceable. It's it's how things were going, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then two years later, two-ish, year, year and a, not quite a year and a half later, there was an EP called Enjoy Incubus. Yeah, and I tell you, I love, with the EPs, mostly, the art slash title combination. With Enjoy Incubus, like, you look at it, and it's like, again, it's kind of like the let me tell you about Rubber sort of thing. It's, this is sort of like an advertisement. It's just like, you know, when you're out with your lady and you're wanting to show her a good time, be sure to pull up to your local bar and enjoy Incubus with, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like the aesthetic. I like the aesthetic mm, of the guy. Uh, and this guy with a mustache. And, oh, yeah, the porn stash is great. Mm, yeah, Chuck. They got, apparently his name is, he, he goes by Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. They got more silly stage names. Brandon of the Jungle, Dynamite, Kid uh, Kid Life comes in. This is where Kid Life, shoot, what's his real name? Uh, DJ Life, uh, Gavin Not- Koppel. Mm-hmm. This is his first appearance. Jose Antonio Pel- I think I guess he kind of kept his la- name, but uh, yeah. So again, again, doing doing the silly things. I find in these early years the EPs tend to be stronger than the albums, if only because they have a narrower focus, so they don't meander. Mm-hmm. They're you know they're here's what we're gonna do. We got a limited number of tracks. Boom 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 boom. This was more of a wide introduction of the band. Now that they are on a label, they were picked up by Epic. Okay, hold on. I have I have it written down. Where are you? The relationship between these these labels. The label was Immortal. Immortal was owned by Epic. Epic is owned by Sony. Okay. <laughs> so so yeah, they're picked up with a, by a label. This is the first label release. This is the first one that's getting a genuine wide release. So in a way, this is kind of like the broad introduction yeah, to yeah. the general public the, uh, of, the, of a the starter band, pack basically yeah, yeah because it a lot of these songs are just ones off of fungus among us and uh let me tell you about rubier rubier and plus a couple a couple other tracks so uh, uh yeah this so part, i think the last two tracks um well as as we think we is uh is a the re-recording from let me th- let me talk about it. yeah but it's yeah. It's 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 fairly different, and it's possibly the best song on here. It's a party track uh, that actually would have been really fun to hear live. I think this would have been a great live track. Again, the the the, the little sort of ska moments. I feel like at times Incubus was considering going ska, but they never really went that way. They just oh. had a had a few little ska experimentation, but then decided, ah, no, yeah, no, well, you yeah. know, you try it out a little bit in college, but then you, you just. <laughs> 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 Doug's down with the singers today. He's he's got it. Did you get a chance to enjoy Incubus, Doug? I did. I did enjoy some Incubus. I, I don't really have much to 
to expand on it really uh it's it's just it is it just feels like a bit of a, like a starter pack like how, here's what happened last time on incubus <laughs> <laughs> so and then it gives you a few tracks of the that they did before with a little polished up and uh and then it's like okay now now get ready for some science <laughs> you know mm-hmm. basically that's what i that's what i kind of feel like it is it's, and it's good you know i i enjoy it i, I but yeah i already yeah i already i already heard those songs yeah but but it, you know it is nice to see them because uh, i feel like a lot of bands probably want to do that is like kind of revisit their old material uh, their old material if they have like something a, a bit more of a budget and sort of a and i don't know a little bit more experience under their if they have a bit more experience <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah so, yeah, I, I don't blame them for kind of giving the old songs a bit of a polish and then sending them out again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. It's, uh, I think it was... Uh, so, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice little EP. I'll dig it. September of 97, we get uh, Sailing Catamarines as Every Nautical Captain's Ecstasy, abbreviated to Science. It's science. Is there a meaning behind their title? No. This tends to be true for a lot of Incubus's songs and titles and stuff in that don't try to not all the time but for the most part don't try to dig too deep and look for a metaphor when there is none they will be the first ones to say don't dig too deep because yeah, like, sometimes we're just dicking around yeah, yeah. basically <laughs> basically yeah um i gotta say i i i have mixed feelings about the cover art because mm. it has that guy chuck again right yeah, sure and he's making a silly little face but I kind of feel like the cover art would be better without him. But yeah. it's, you know, like it's just they they slapped him on there, and you know it gives it kind of a, a funniness to it. Yeah, it would be if like, he wasn't there. It would just be kind of a really cool cover, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, like maybe that does make it more memorable. Hmm. You know, like but, you're like you know that what's that album? Oh, oh, the one with the guy with the mustache, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. As opposed to like the the cool mountain range with the the periodic yeah. table in the background and the deserts, and um, I feel like this is this is part of their identity crisis issue. Too, right? <laughs> it really is. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. the background art, that's that's like the the instrumentation, <laughs> and the funny face is Brandon Boyd's vocals. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> oh, well, that was basically what I had to say. Is that I just I I just have mixed feelings about this whole thing. I'm like I'm like. The guy with the mustache, like, was that a good move? I, I legit don't know. Like, maybe it was. I mean, obviously, obviously the the album took them places, so. Mm-hmm. S-C-I-E-N-C-E, not pronounced, I think it's not pronounced science, it's, you, you go by the, the letters, but, you know. Oh, really? Maybe it is just science. Oh, that's a nuisance. <laughs> I just, I remember I, I said, I said to Google... <laughs> the the what is it called Google Home? Sure. Like, can you play Science by Incubus? Mm. And I said, okay, sure. Playing S C I E N C. I was like, oh, you're gonna make me. That's such that? an Incubus thing to do. Though. <laughs> it really is. It's such an Incubus thing to do. <laughs> but then again, maybe that's just Google trying to make sense of the periods and the. Anyway, I don't no, know. I don't know either. Uh, I don't know. It could it? It could be. But anyway. So the album, mm. the actual music within this album of uh, of uh, a curious name, uh, I would say similar in style to the Fungus Among Us, but it's uh, much more refined. Like clearly, they had a better budget. You know, ages ago, age, this is way back in my early music reviewing days. I reviewed Morning View, mm-hmm. and I gave it sort of a ho hum kind of rating at the time. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, 
uh, if you like Incubus, you got to listen to Science. And and they're like, oh, it's way better. It's way, it's really awesome. I never did. <laughs> I never followed up on that. And I probably should have. Because when, when it comes to talking about... I, okay, I, I shouldn't use the word never, because clearly I have now. <laughs> so, but so now never is not the right word. But I hadn't for, for like, probably over a decade. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to talking about new metal, rap metal, you know, that genre of the early 2000s, there's always the same names dropped of, like, P.O.D. and Linkin Park and Stained and and Korn and mm-hmm. and uh, Limp Bizkit. Um, you don't usually hear about Incubus's contribution to that, that uh, genre. And I feel like this album is actually one of the best examples of that genre done really well and given fairly early too very yeah yeah exactly yeah i feel like it was really breaking new ground and it was really it was really edgy and really um has a a a funness to it that i think by the time it got to the early 2000s everyone was kind of afraid of having that much fun Mm. (laughs) you know everyone no new metal started to get really uh emo actually really angsty it almost became it almost turned into emo music really yeah there was like it was was just like a darker emo because there was like there was like sad emo and then dark emo Mm -hmm. and and this was this isn't sad it's not dark it's but it's edgy and it's aggressive and it, it lets itself be fun a lot of the time and it works a lot of funk sounds like it just plays around with so many genres and I'm just like damn <laughs> like they had a good thing going they had really did so great energy great vibe all through it but what what is interesting though and maybe this is maybe why it doesn't pop up in discussions is that what this album has in like a consistency and like being like a really good solid album all the way through is that there's not tons of tracks that I remember as being particularly distinct. One exception I can think of was the uh, Summer Romance, the anti-gravity love song, which kind of has its own distinctness to it. And and, and um, just as far as like me listening to going like, oh yeah, this one's really unique. And it's not like they sound all the same. I don't, I don't think that mm. at all. But... I d- uh, when I think back to the album, I remember sort of the overall vibe to it much more than any particular song. Mm. And so the the compromise of this really cool, like, solid album is... I don't really... I don't have a lot of standout tracks to recommend from it. Uh, we start with a very similar funky feel, but this time, though, Brandon Boyd, his vocal style is a little more refined, which is good, because I did feel he needed to tone it down after the last one. Of course, Brandon Cornelius, uh, Mike Jawa... And Jose Bad Mama Jama. <laughs> They're still doing that. Uh, this album was also produced by Jim Hurts. <laughs> Bad, Mama, Bad Jama. Mama Jama. You know, it was just, it's so much funnier to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. And just, the look at it is like, what is that, a Pink Floyd title? But no. <laughs> Right? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, produced again by John Wirtz. After a few songs, though, Brandon starts screaming again. Uh, he just starts. He just starts going. He gets. Uh, he gets a, you know. He just gets a little bug under his skin, and he's got to scream it out. New skin, for example. There you go. New skin. Ugh, ugh, sorry. Uh, I like that you mentioned uh, mentioned the new metal. Uh, to be honest, because I was I was like, this is kind of like this is like really early Lincoln Park, like hybrid theory. Uh, you know, proto Lincoln Park hybrid theory sort of stuff <clears> like yeah, that. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was something that I never considered. You know, you're right. I feel like these guys did break a lot of ground for new metal, like break a lot of ground for new metal. Mm-hmm. Glass, fairly unique and quirky. Magic Medicine, absolutely fascinating and fun trip hop. 
uh, which is definitely something you don't hear from Incubus too much, Trip Up. Hmm. But uh, Magic Medicine is one. Summer Romance is a spoiler for future Incubus albums because that feels like what Incubus would become. Hmm. Are they metal? Are they funk? Are they rap? Hard to peg down at this point. Nebula, in particular, showcases this identity problem that they are having and what is the sound they're trying to nail down. As such, since it's so well encapsulated in that song, the song is really kind of hard to get into because they keep on moving through things, moving through different things. Uh, It's a fascinating album. Half of it is really dated. A few songs are really cool. And there's some shades of things to come in this album. It's, it's, It's interesting. Shockingly, for some reason, this label that they just hopped onto gave them zero media coverage. Uh, they only really gained notoriety through extensive touring hmm. and only wound up selling 100,000 copies of the album. And that, to me, is just very bizarre. Because, I mean, the whole point of being skipped up by a label was just like, is a, we'll pat you on the back, you pat us on the back. Well, yeah, because the label doesn't have anything to lose by selling more albums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, they, well, they should do their part of promotion. Yeah, well, that's just it. If you had no intention of promoting, why'd you sign them? You, I mean, this isn't like a drastic change in sound for them. This is what they kind of sounded like before. It's just a little better. Uh, so if you signed them knowing what their sound was, why would you not promote them? Especially Sorry. interesting, given what we find out about their contract later, which we will get into. Their goddamn contract with Sony. <laughs> Quick sidebar. DJ Life leaves the band after this. So he was at them for one EP and one album, basically. I found a website called Metal Sucks. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> great. And they had, nine years ago, so 2009, there was an article called, and this is the name of the article, Former Unimportant Band Member Threatens to Kill Current Unimportant Band Member. It was um, an issue between DJ Life and his replacement DJ, Chris Kilmore. And they apparently got into some kind of tussle which involved restraining orders on like both filed restraining orders against each other. What actually happened? I don't know. The article was one of those sort of glib, trendy, uh, we're above everything sort of written sort of things. Sounds god awful. <laughs> yeah, and ordinarily, I wouldn't even bring it up. I mean, apart from the weird thing about one former band member wanting to kill the allegedly wanting to kill the current band member. I mean that in itself is weird. Except DJ Life actually responded to the article. Uh, oh, yeah, so okay, okay. from from 2009. And he wrote, Wow, I never aspired to be a DJ in a heavy metal band. I guess taking umbrage to the fact that this was categorized as, as metal according to that article. Which I agree, it's not a heavy metal band. It's not. No. It's not a heavy metal album. It cracks me up that 13 years after having a little fun with a metal band, I still get huge royalty checks and some press here and there. Fair. Yeah, Chris Kilmore has no heart. Straight up. He should stop making up lies about me and learn to man up. If you want to know the truth about the situation, search YouTube for Gavin Koppel response to Chris Kilmore. That wasn't a great, great response, I'm going to be honest. No. That was a, you know, I'm still getting press and money, and, oh, that's not the truth at all. Go to YouTube and look for yourself. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, first there's the novelty of, holy, wow, this guy's responding back to it, and then he basically gives the same level of maturity comments to the article, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well. So, so in the end, shrug. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> yeah. I did find it terribly amusing, but not ha-ha-ha amusing, but 
what an unusual situation of amusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we're all, you know we're all grown ups here, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh... But it does go to show, even if you're part of like a tiny, tiny website, like even the smallest of websites, occasionally you will find people responding back to reviews and articles that you that you write about them because Google Alerts is a thing. And occasionally they will they will write back and maybe all of a sudden your your glib little armchair comments and stuff will attract attention that you may not necessarily want. So especially if you're mispronouncing their names. Ah <sighs> <laughs> uh, no. There's no accidents involved, I take everybody. Alright, All right, let's yeah, jump yeah. forward <laughs> October nineteen ninety nine. October. Uh, for the album Make Yourself with all of a sudden a really kind of like the cover art has now gone like you know, Northern Lightsy. Band art sort yeah, of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think they I think they lost a little bit of that kind of quirky edge and gained a very professional edge mm, yeah. in terms of the cover art. They first started producing the album with, with uh, Word again, uh, Jim Words. They And like they got a significant ways in, but they weren't happy with how it was turning out, which is interesting. I found that interesting. So they actually, they dumped him and then picked up Scott Litt and star- and produced it with him. So it's produced by both Scott Litt and Incubus. Uh, and actually, I think Jim Wart, even though he had worked on quite a bit of the album, I think he's completely uncredited, I oh. believe. But I mean, we don't know to what extent his work remained on the album. Probably. I assume not a lot. Scott Litt was known for producing R.E.M., uh, mixing Nirvana, New Order, and Counting Crows. So Quite a, quite a change. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. And again, as I said... Chris Kilmore, he's come on. He also has an extremely embarrassing Wikipedia page. I'm just going to mention it. I feel like it's much more tight and controlled. It's got more musical variation in tone and sound, but decidedly more commercial sounding. There's definitely some... Uh, it seems like a very deliberate turn mm. for, for them. Still some solid rock songs, but you know, but it lacks a distinct character. Well, say what you will about um, science. It had a lot of character. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> had a lot of character. Except, you gotta hear... Uh, I gotta make sure I, I pronounce this right. You gotta hear Battlestar's... Oh. Skrlachia. Yeah, Skrlachica. Skrlachica. Yeah. Um, which is just like a standout jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a bit of a throwback to the last album. But like... Even more like polished and and uh direct drive is off this album which uh i don't know if you remember the days when i was on the radio all the time as soon as i heard like, it it brought it all back i was yeah, listening to the album i'm like oh yeah this <laughs> like this there's uh that song was inescapable it, oh everywhere it was everywhere. um and i never wanted to hear it again <laughs> but i will say that in the context of the album um when it's kind of mixed in with everything, mm-hmm. it fits a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I actually want to not I not I didn't mind it um, when I was listening to the album as a whole. I wouldn't I still wouldn't want to go back to it. like and the thing is like it's not that it's a bad song. I'm never, it's not. No, it's really not. I, I but like man, did the radio play that song? It was a victim of the radio. One hundred percent. I mean, I guess uh, Incubus probably won't mind. They probably made some pretty fat checks on. No doubt. But yeah, it was definitely uh, sacrifice. What did we sacrifice to the? Uh, well, we said used to say Zed Gods because that was our radio station that yeah. we used to 
But like it, the radio gods, because it wasn't just Zed. It was all, I think it was all the stations. You, yeah, definitely Fox was playing. It has sure. like that. You know, it has a you know slow tempo kind of rock music that basically you could play it on on all the stations. Um, except for like Kill Them probably, <laughs> you know. Although these I'm, days you might be able to get maybe right you could do yeah. Rock One One undoubtedly has it picked up by now. Yeah, classic rock stations for sure. So um, yeah, Drive. Uh, but yeah, in the context of the album, I feel like I can I can give it its time again. It's a bit of an uneven experience. This album. You you talk, you talk a lot about an identity crisis. I do feel like this is where they were kind of all over the place on this record and sometimes it's a strength and sometimes it's not i also felt the album was fairly safe they've traded some of that abrasive funk sound for typical rock at times but when they experiment a bit they sound great the second half is immensely better than the first half it almost seems like the first half is for the already established incubus fan base you know to please them oh yeah this is okay this is the incubus we love and then the second half has all the new stuff they want to try this seems to be exemplified in clean a song with some great moments including an excellent build-up uh, that kind of loses itself in the Incubus playbook. When It Comes is a highlight with for both vocal and guitar performances. Stellar is one of those rock tracks I hate. Wailing mm. vocals like with a ballad, heavy guitar that offsets it, and a tempo that can't seem to figure out whether it's upbeat or not. Drive, it really seems to be the most defined song on the album. Uh, it is honestly, even after all this time, it is a legitimately great it has a great composition and excellent performances, and it's the most well-mixed song. You know, I agree with Battlestar Skrlachtika. <laughs> it's very dated, but damn, do I love it. It's a great early 90s hip hop vibe with new metal influences that really work. It's also a very strange contrast to the first half of the album. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a unique entity in the mm-hmm. mix. I had forgotten about Pardon Me um, because of how big Drive was. I had forgotten about it, but that makes sense because I know when Drive was released, I had already known about Incubus's existence because when they said, you know, Drive by Incubus... I, I already had a sense of familiarity about Incubus, and it was probably from Pardon Me, because Pardon Me was the first single. But now I do remember it being on rock radio quite a bit. It's not as consistent as Drive. There's some great instrumentation. But I'm not a fan of Boyd's vocals, or or even that standard heavy guitar wall of sound that hits during the chorus. Out From Under is kind of bleh, especially for a closing track, and especially when the screaming starts. Yikes. Yeah, okay. A second to last track. Now, I do, however, we talked about the commercial sales. I do, however, want to do a sidebar. This was a huge breakout album for them. Gold in the UK, platinum in Canada, triple platinum in Australia, double platinum in the US. But these numbers are all completely different. So you say, logically, you hear this, you're like, oh, platinum in Canada, double platinum in the US, triple platinum in Australia. Well, it must have sold three times as well in Australia as it did in Canada. No, that is not... How platinum works? No, it's it's. Uh, I don't exactly know. I've got it. The, I got uh, it. I wrote it down. Oh, how how yeah. platinum works? It. Oh yeah. Okay, bring it up. What yeah. defines platinum sales for albums? Because the pl- definition of platinum for albums and singles are different. So for albums, in it seems to be most of the time related to the population. So in Australia, platinum is seventy thousand sales. In Canada, it's a hundred thousand sales. Mm-hmm. In the in India, it's two hundred thousand sales. In the UK, it's three hundred thousand sales. In the US, it's a million sales. But in China, it's forty thousand. So, so so it's mostly population based. But 
China kind of seems like a... China's way down. That's and weird. India is lower than it should be. So it can't entirely be populated. It has to be more, maybe like population versus... Um, the affluence? Or maybe the ability like, to like, buy? Yeah, Standard yeah. of living, what am I saying? Yeah, like versus almost like what's expected of album sales. Like like the, the American market, both for movies and I guess maybe music too, is just a heavy consumer... And so it's like, you want to make it in America, you want to go platinum in America, you got to do a million records. Mm-hmm. Where that's just not feasible in Canada. Like, that's a million records is a huge chunk of the population. Yeah. <laughs> so, so 100,000 makes sense to me for Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that being said, though, if you want to talk about diamond sales, diamond is hardlined. Diamond means over 10 million sales. Okay. Yeah. What's the top top selling album of Doug of all time? Thriller. Thriller. How much? Do you know? I actually don't know how many. Uh, I... 33 times American Platinum. So, plus. It's over 33 million sales. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. The The selection of Diamond certified albums is not large. It's not, it's not tiny, but it's not large. Yeah. So anyways, Incubus manages to make to get onto this list for platinum and they and to sell a lot, uh, a lot of albums. So this this is this is them. This is them uh, getting getting insane. They're, they're making it. Yeah, yeah, they're making it. All right, you then. know, and but it's interesting because despite Drive being on the radio a whole bunch, it's not like I really saw this album all over the place. Mm. You know, I like I don't remember. See, then again, okay, you know what. It was before I was buying a lot of music, so mm-hmm. maybe maybe that means nothing. We go to August of 2000, so just about a year later, to uh, When Incubus Attacks, Volume 1. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, again, I love the aesthetic. I think the aesthetic for the EPs are great, because uh, this one is... Uh, well, you know, it's got this it's a robot, <laughs> it's got bug, this robot bug. Yeah. yeah. Now, the thing about this EP that I think is great is that it has live and acoustic tracks. Did you listen to this one? No, I didn't. Well, it's constructed very smartly. It oh, avoids no. becoming stale by switching gears. It, uh, it starts like acoustic. And just when, you know, the, the kind of the nice little appeal of having these acoustic tracks starts to wear a bit thin, they switch tracks. They throw in a, an original song, Crowded Elevator. And then, but then they you change once more to live versions and stuff. So, uh, and then it ends before you know starts to starts to lose its appeal. It's actually really really well constructed. Well, how's Crowded Elevator? It's the only one that just seems to be just a regular old studio track. It's all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, in the context of the EP, it works great because cool. you know. Yeah. Now the acoustic version of Stellar unfortunately shows again Brandon Boyd having difficulty harmonizing with the guitar. The guitar is played expertly. So good, good job for Isinger. Uh, but Boyd can sing, and he can sing really well, and he can really hit those emotional chords. But he just has a hard time harmonizing, and his vocals tend to over-dominate music, the instrumentation a lot of the time. So the live, the live performances really show this too. Yeah, but on the whole, this is a great EP. This is, it's really good. Ah, oh, to give it a spin. I, yeah. I, uh, I just see. I just saw acoustic and live tracks. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't need to listen to that one. And now I feel like maybe uh, I should have. And given the material, all the material that's gone on before, this is a huge change of pace for them. There was nothing that sounded like this EP prior to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then we jump again to the autumn, uh, October 2001. We get into Morning View. Uh, it was recorded at a beach house in Malibu, appropriately. 
would you believe? And uh, the objective really was to kind of capture the feeling, that sort of beach vibe, going out for the surf and, you know, enjoying the coast. Well, I do feel like that's kind of a wasted opportunity that was released in autumn, because uh, I feel like that's more of a summer kind of album, you know? I guess, well, down in Malibu, California, it's always summer, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, true enough, true enough. Yeah, yeah, what do you think, man? It is interesting. This is their most successful album, but... Out of the albums from this era, this is the only one that lacks a number one signal. Uh, although, Wish You Were Here came pretty darn close. I think it was number two. Mm. So, like, I was just looking at the list of number one singles, and I'm like, what? Like, nothing off of Morning View? And then I look, and it's like, oh, well, geez, guys, you know, it was number two. You didn't have to exclude it from the list. Right? <laughs> you don't have to do that. Like, geez. Um, but anyway wish you were here is definitely the first song i heard from them when at the time it was new and i was super into it and i think it holds up today i think it does um i mean this could be just there's probably a bit of nostalgia there of me you know in my in my teenage years just like really digging like this kind of music but I don't know. I do feel like it just like I, I during this whole time of doing the research, it's just the song that I kept coming back to, just because I I just just think that it's good solid opening single material. Hmm. What is a shame is how much "Nice to Know You" the second single sounds like it. Oh yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah. you know the thing is, it didn't have to if they just changed the hook because it, it's like you know, I wish you were here. And goodbye, nice to know you. It's just like, there's just the same vocal pattern. And, but beyond that, like, the other aspects of the song sound actually pretty distinct from one Oh, sure, it's got a killer opening. Yeah. Like, a far more aggressive opening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But just that, that the hooks are too similar. And to have them, like, back-to-back -back singles was just, uh, I feel, a big mistake. Mm. Um, and sort of set the album up to have this sort of sameness about it. When actually, like, those two songs are the ones that sound the most similar, mm -hmm. you know? Wish You Were Here is better, though. <laughs> I'd say. Although, I do like Nice to Know You, but it's just like, uh, I just I just wish it wasn't both of them. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Just I just feel like maybe they just should give Nice to Know You another another go. Just, just, just to give it a different hook. The album does start off strong, though. I think, I think, um... Again, I don't know if it would have been better to start off with what you heard. I still know you. Maybe. I don't know. It does peter out a little bit in the middle. Like some of the songs. Of, and this was something I even noted way, way, way back when, when I first reviewed this, of um, of just these songs being just a little too average. Mm. You know? You know, they, they wrote a lot of sixes and sevens. It's not always that like that, though, because I feel like the... It does find its strength later on this album by warning. I think that was the big that was the big turning point was warning. Second half was uh, where it finds its energy again, and it starts to really find those summer vibes that I feel like it was going for, or beach vibes, I guess is what they were going for. Sure. Where I would I would call it summer because I guess you know I here in Vancouver, I wouldn't go to the beach if it wasn't summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just it, it's a bit of a long album too. It's almost an hour. So if they just trimmed some of the fat, it actually probably would have been pretty darn... It would have been pretty solid. But yeah, Warning, I feel Echo, uh, and uh, that amazing ending track where they really go for something different. Uh, with Aqueous Transmission. Aqueous, Aqueous Transmission? Yeah, yeah. That is, uh, that's a really nice, like, 
cool like it sounds like beach a beach in the evening like it's not it's not a midday beach that is the evening like hey we're gonna go home pretty soon the sun is going down kind of sound you know yeah there's some really really solid tracks uh especially at the end um and and it does ride a little bit off the energy of like nice to know you and wish you were here at the beginning but there's just a little bit in the middle that it just like that it's not bad but it something could go you know Mm -hmm. i agree nice to know you i find the course too awkward Great opening track, though. Welcoming back longtime fans, but being accessible to newcomers. Uh, Circles, which was a later single theirs. I'm not a fan of Circles. I, uh, I'm pretty ho-hum on that one, yeah. too. Um, I, I don't... I, again, I don't hate it, but it's like it's it's definitely lumped in as sort of like... It was a, a little too average. Uh, Wish You Were Here, truthfully, was never a favorite of mine. But I never hated it. I get the relaxed vibe that balances out the hard rock. It's a nice change of pace from their usual fare. This album feels far more relaxed, like they weren't trying anymore. They were just playing. They were just uh, just composing music and just having fun with it. Mm-hmm. Experimented with rock ballads, for better or for worse. Where's that line between sappy and heartfelt? That's a tough, tough thing to do. Warning is probably the best of the bunch. The album ends well, as I agree, with the more traditional Incubus song Under My Umbrella and then the experimental Oriental-influenced Igris transmission. So I would definitely agree. It is fairly long, though, especially compared to their other works. Here's the thing. Incubus, uh, when they were first signed on to the label, they got some money, basically some upfront costs, some upfront money to say, here's our, here's our advance for paying you, but we expect... You know, seven years and like four albums and that sort of stuff. And Incubus were not seeing royalties at all. Now, at this point, again, multi-platinum album for Make Yourself. And this album charted very well. Um, Where are the royalties? Where's the money? Three albums that sold incredibly well. Seven million albums sold in total. The buzz was that... Most estimates agree that Sony has made in profit $35 million off of those albums. A lot of money. Off profit. (sighs) Sony's pushing back. They're saying, look, man, it's the contract. And technically, you still owe us money for marketing costs. (laughs) Sorry. Right? I was just like, oh, man, geez. Yeah. Yeah. So they sue. They sue Sony. They say... Look, there's something called like a seven-year... California law has assigned to do with like a seven-year contract law. I don't know the details of it, but it does allow you to break a contract after a certain amount of time with certain factors in place. I don't know the details of it. Mm-hmm. Sony sued them back, claiming they owe us four more albums, and all this lawsuit is is a negotiation tactic. This is a frivolous lawsuit. I don't think it was a frivolous lawsuit. I think they had a crown to stand on. I think mm-hmm. they did. This just sounds like the same old record label bullshit. Sony said, look, we gave you $4 million in advance years ago. Which again, $4 million, that's not too shabby. But it is split four, five, six ways, kind of depending on how you look at it. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, DJ Life came in and, and he got his share. Uh, DJ Kilmore came in. So, I mean, like, um, and they're still, they're, they live in California. It's not the cheapest state and... Now, so, I mean, I'm not going to poo-poo $4 million, but that's all they got before their albums were big. So, at the time, they were like, yeah. But remember, they were still, like, really young. 
And then that was it. That was all they got. And then for Sony to also say, you still owe us for unrecouped marketing costs. And then that total, the marketing costs Sony wanted from them to keep paying off was $3 million. So they basically, the $4 million they gave them, they said, oh, by the way, we want $3 million back? Well, we will make $3 million back eventually. So all the money that was coming in for the Incubus Incubus albums at that point was all taken by Sony and, and divvied up. Okay, this much goes towards marketing, X amount. Uh, y amount goes towards distribution costs. You know, Z amount goes towards overhead. You know, whatever, right? But it was all split up amongst the Sony stuff. So there was still an outstanding tab on the marketing costs of apparently $3 million. Which, again, may I remind you, freaking science, they didn't promote at all. Uh, so astounding, astounding stuff. So the end result was Sony graciously erased that $3 million tab for unrecouped marketing costs, which only after, originally, only after that marketing tab was done, then that portion would then start going to Incubus. But again, what, how much was being divvied up? I don't know. Incubus then received $4.25 million for their work so far, which again, Sony had made $35 million profit mm. off of it. And then they were given $8 million in advance for the next three albums with an option to get a fourth album out there. Uh, again, remember though, the $8 million in advance had to be split up between however many band members and stuff were. I mean, it's still, it's a really good deal. It's a good deal for $8 million in advance, but I think honestly for, for artists, royalties trump advances. Advances are great, but royalties, I believe, are a better option than advances. Yeah, especially in this case where they're, they're a proven... Uh, they're they're a proven band at this mm -hmm. point, yeah. Sony wanted to end this quickly, this lawsuit quickly. They were under management changes at the time and had just laid off a thousand people oh. due to restructuring. So more bad PR was unacceptable. So it's probably why things ended, or the suit ended as amicably as it did. Well, and it they stayed on the label. Uh, yeah, it doesn't work for Sony if they decide to pack up their bags and get out of there right? i think to be honest they pushed back as hard as they did as a show of strength they didn't want to meet mm. well i mean you got all these other bands in, in these labels right and you don't want to advertise to them that you're a pushover who will immediately cave right yeah so yeah. i think they were also wanting to prove that they were strong but they didn't want to prolong it for pr wanted to bang their chests a yeah, little bit exactly. right yeah, they, yeah. they wanted to be the the uh, silverback gorilla <sighs> labels dude <laughs> labels mm. yeah um, but that takes us to February 2004, the first LP that's not released during the autumn. February 2004, A Crow Left of the Murder, which, to be honest, I still struggle with that title. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly it means. I mean, I guess like a collective of crows is called a murder, but it's not A Crow Left the Murder, A Crow Left of the Murder. So there's like a murderer of crows and there's a crow just to the left of them. I don't know. I don't understand it. Yeah, I'm not sure. At this point, Dirk Lance leaves. See you, Dirk. Yeah, he's gone. And Ben Kenny takes over. So I also wonder now, does that mean that Dirk took his... Por his <laughs> took the money and ran. <laughs> X million. Well, I mean, he was owed. He put a lot of work in. But now, now though, that money now has to be split up with, like, another band member, you know? No right, yeah, So, yeah. I mean, there's... I mean, and there's producers and stuff, too. So there's, there's people who are, who are coming in. Uh, this album is produced by Brendan O'Brien. Um, but what did you think of Crow Left of Murder? 
You know, seeing the album cover, I suppose I expected an edgier side of Incubus. But I find this album very safe. And often uninteresting, to be honest. I mean, it's fine, I guess. Um, it, and it even has some good tracks. Uh, I dig uh, Beware, Criminal, and Z Devil, or Z Devil? Z Devil? Z Devil? That one has character, but like, yeah, I don't know. It feels a little flimsy, mm. you know? It's just one that I, I kind of... I. There weren't a lot of standout tracks. It starts off pretty good, I guess, with Megalomaniac. Uh, yeah, I found that this one is just... I felt it was the weakest of the bunch. I just uh, i just didn't really feel it. It was all very, you know, like, uh, fine rock songs. But, like, I don't know. Just no, no, no bangers, no... Uh, not a lot of character. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know what else to put. That's all right. my notes. Uh, Megalomaniac, it starts off really dark and metal, at least until Boyd starts singing. But it is a fairly scathing attack on people or a person with an overinflated ego, contrasting how chill the last album was. I think the band were getting a little embittered. (laughs) So tonally, there was a bit of that. The songs have a fairly good flow, but it borders on just being repetitive. Talk show on mute is one of those heartfelt heavy rock slow songs that I find outrageously boring. <laughs> Boyd's vocals continue to overdominate the songs. This honestly, this is killing me. This is driving me nuts. I don't know whether it's the mixing, the production on the whole, where the band's just like, now nah, we got to hear more of Boyd, or Boyd can't help himself. I, I'm, mm. well, yeah. I mean, you can. Yeah, it, it's got to be in the mix, right? Sure, but is it is it due to incompetence or are they legit or are they honestly that's like they they don't know any better or I I don't know what, well, what, else, is, what else is Brendan O'Brien? But this is it's not just him; it's been all their stuff so far. Uh, Pearl Jam, uh, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, ACDC, he's Aerosmith, the Chili's. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's done got, a lot of stuff. When we get instrumental breaks, we find some real gems, like the bridge of Six Sad Little World. When when Boyd steps back and just lets uh, Einzinger do his thing, mm, that's good stuff. Uh, despite a promising course, Z. Deville frequently descends into some annoying tendencies like yelping and chugging of the guitar. You know, when the guitar is just going... Jug, 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 jug. It's aggressive. It's consistent. I'm not into it, though. The drumming in particular has a lot of potential, but tends to play way too safe. Just because you're drumming hard and... <laughs> does not mean it's better, especially with a drummer now who's as experienced as, as Jose is here. The album closes with the opening lyrics to the song Leech are So fuck yourself and fuck this bleeding heart of mine. Did you enjoy yourself? The ride's over. Fitting, I guess. They're going for something grander and more epic than usual, but I feel like their best work is when they're relaxed and just letting the music come to them. Conversely, I also enjoy their experimental stuff. So going for a hard rock album ironically doesn't seem to actually play to their strengths. According to Metacritic, fans of the band loved this album, but the critics were consistent. Positive reviews were on the low end, negative reviews were on the high end, so overall it was kind of... While touring for this album, in November 2004, they went to Red Rocks, and they released an album and DVD of the performance. Um, And apparently, uh, yeah, it was a big deal for them to hit up Red Rocks and stuff. But uh, yeah, I I wasn't impressed. 2005 rolls around and there's a uh, silly little science fiction military movie called Stealth. Remember Stealth? He's going rogue. 
Enemies fire. Must engage. The situation is critical. If you make me, I will blast you right up the sky. They got me! I do, I do. Uh, I called it Danger, Danger, Death Plane. <laughs> danger, Danger, Death Plane. That sounds about right. Yeah, uh, um, there was a good song from the soundtrack by Dredge. I downloaded it ages ago. And it's still the only... Or Dreg. Dreg? How would you say that? It, it looks like Dredge. Uh, Bug Eyes is the song off of there. It's still the only song I know by them. but And it's the only song by, off of the soundtrack that I listened to. So... Um, apparently Incubus did some work for that. They did. They did four songs off that soundtrack. I did not, I did not listen to them, unfortunately. There were three original songs and Aqueous Transmission for Morning View was on it, too. Very quickly, off that album, uh, Make a Move doesn't do that much for me. It seems to be a little more than an excuse for Boyd to yell and Enziger to shred, shred. Admiration is a fairly good song with interesting instrumentation, but it doesn't feel very soundtrack-worthy. It doesn't feel like a soundtrack song. It just kind of feels like a mediocre rock song, uh, which was not uncommon for a lot of these sorts of soundtracks. Yeah, that yeah. day that day and age it was just a thing. That yeah. Happened a lot. Yeah. It is just like uh one of the ones that comes to mind is that with the Fantastic Four movie, mm. there's a song that like just like it felt like it didn't belong in the movie. It felt like it didn't belong on the radio. It just <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was just like uh um and then neither of us can see uh has a female guest vocalist. But the song feels half done. It's a great chorus, but the verses are very basic, almost like placeholders. And the song doesn't really finish, just kind of ends. So, as a parallel, Stealth had a budget of $135 million, but only grossed $76 million, taking an absolutely terrible loss. I feel like that disaster of something building and building, and then... Uh, I kind of feel the same way about the soundtrack. Uh, the Incubus contributions don't even particularly stand out for, uh, I mean, they're basically the featured artists. They're not, they don't do most of the songs, but they do more songs than any other single contributor. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the fact that they do four on a soundtrack is unusual. Yeah, so, so. Uh, but knowing what Incubus can can do, it just kind of felt like, eh, you know. Um, at best, these songs were all right, but there was nothing particularly cinematic or interesting about them. I feel bad for them, but you know, because you know, it's just like, hey, you guys are, you want to do the soundtrack to this, this, this movie? Uh, yeah, so but you know, part of me wonders, like, uh, how invested could they be in it? Like, if sure, uh, maybe they were, maybe they just like, maybe it was just like a gig, you know, like a job, and they didn't really. Uh, but then again, you know, I, I can't say, I can't say what Nicky Business Mind was at the time. Um, uh, yeah, they're like, man, we really got to dig deep and find our inner stealth plane. <laughs> you know. I read. I'd never seen it. I knew Jessica Biel had a great bikini scene in it, but mm. uh, reading through the synopsis, it sounds kind of dumb. Uh, but anyways, November going back to the fall, uh, two thousand six, light grenades. Mm-hmm. Interesting enough, opens at number one, but then dropped suddenly to number thirty seven. It was the worst drop from number one in history. Until 10 years later with Bon Jovi's This House Is Not For Sale, which dive-bombed to number 43. So it makes... It, obviously, the interest for a new Incubus album was there, but I guess it was the word of mouth. Just just annihilated this album. But, Doug, do you feel that that was justified? I mean, overall, I'd say that it's actually an improvement over uh, A Crow Left of the Murder. But what I will say about this one is that it is more so than even the others, I would say, oddly inconsistent in vision and tone. Uh, 
Quicksand and A Kiss to Send Us Off are the two, the first two tracks. And I feel like, actually, it opens up the album pretty strong. But it doesn't take long before it loses the momentum. Light Grenades works. I like the title track. Actually, typically the title tracks are pretty good. And it's, it's, it's really hard hitting, um, but tragically, tragically short. It's like two, 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 uh, two minutes and 20 seconds. Mm. So like it's uh, that had more potential, but I, I did feel that it worked. And I liked Rogues and Paper Shoes. Again, uh, again, it's near the end of the album is when it kind of finds its footing. Um, in this case, a little too little, too late. I did feel pretty mad about this one, but I, I thought overall... It was a slight improvement over a crow left to murder, but uh, but not not amazing, <laughs> you know. It uh, only reached gold, so it was the first of their albums to not hit platinum since Make Yourself. Quicksand is an intriguing and mature sound to open the album with some ambience, piano, and glitch- glitchy synth, mm-hmm. ending on a dystopic collapse of guitar, leading into a kiss to send us off, which is a heavy rock anthem which borders on thrash. But it's full of a lot of pretty typical Incubus tracks. And then the curious throwback title track. It's a novelty harkening back to their early days for sure. Oil and Water or Dig. They may be the best songs here, to be honest. Uh, They succeed in the epic scope the album aims for. And uh, Oil and Water is followed up by uh, Diamonds and Coal, which is also a really great track. Oil and Water and Diamonds and and Coal. Coal. Yeah, yeah. The second half is better than the first half, but Pendulous Threads has a really irritating start. I my final thought honestly was better than the last album, but still not great. Uh, okay, that was my, that was well, my final thought. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, there we go. So we're on the same page. Uh, it seems like we had different highlights, but mm-hmm. now I'm kind of curious to to hear the. Dig has an interesting music video. There's okay. a there's, it blends uh, them performing with uh with it keeps kind of like some animation, which is pretty cool. April 2009, they released a best of album called Monuments and Melodies. Mm-hmm. Um. There were two new songs from Monuments and Melodies, uh, Black Hearts Inertia. Oh, you know, uh, I didn't listen to those ones. What I, what I have, uh, or it was in that big stack of CDs that yeah. Travis gave me, the second disc with all the rare... With, yeah, the, the rare tracks. tracks. The rarities, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, some of those are off the stealth soundtrack, so apparently I have heard those songs before. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it looks like, a, yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, so Black Heart Inertia is actually a really good rock track, thank God. Uh, with very compelling verses, a very passionate chorus. So often I find Boyd singing this a tad over rot, and he dominates when he shouldn't. But this is a good balance. This works. Okay. Midnight Swim uh, is on the other side, and it closes the compilation, and it, again, feels like a half-completed song. It's got a few good ideas, but they don't really seem to align. Did you, um, hear his co- their cover, cover of Let's Go Crazy? Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? Well, you know, actually, I thought it was pretty decent. I, I, you know, to turning it into kind of a, you know, it just it felt like it was adapted to be an Incubus song. And, yeah, it wasn't, it, I wasn't bothered by it, to be honest. It was, uh, it, it, I mean, obviously, it doesn't have the same fondness and, like, energy that Prince has, which I think will just, you know, you can't really beat it. But, um, but I thought it was, you know, it was fine. That's actually very similar to what I said. I said that although it has the tempo, it's, it's kind of missing the energy. Yeah, okay. I felt the compilation actually seems to have the songs I like the best from their discography up to that point. So it's actually of great interest to me to actually pick up, which I don't say very often about compilations. 
It's, yeah. It also seems to run along my theory that whenever a band or their label starts to feel like the group's popularity is waning, uh, yeah, out comes a compilation. <laughs> U2 and Bare Naked Ladies are the first ones that always come to my mind uh, when I think about Oh, that. yeah, yeah. U2, after pop yeah. was a disappointment, then the, it was the next year. The best of 1990. Hey, remember? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking at it, it, looks like a pretty good lineup. Yeah, and I and I do generally. I I felt pretty good about the uh, the second disc as well. But, but yeah, nothing. I, for some reason, let's go crazy is the one that sticks out the most in my well, head. Well, it's yeah, right. Because you know, because I already knew. And it, they don't right? really do many covers, so yeah, it's exactly. an unusual thing for them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember. I remember not being too bad. So okay, I do know the songs from Style Soundtrack. After all, because they're all on there, looks like. Mm -hmm. July of 2011, if not now, when? Uh, Hillel the Elder, he was a great scholar of Judaism, he once said, If I am not for myself, who will be for me? And when I am for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? Taking that last sentence as the title of his book, a writer named Primo Levi wrote about Jewish resistance fighters sabotaging the Nazis' efforts behind enemy lines in World War II. Levi's life as a survivor of Auschwitz mirrored the struggle of a simple watchmaker who becomes embroiled in horrors on the world stage. I am not sure. Like, they very they took their title of... Like, the album of this title is taken off of that book. I'm not sure how it relates, 100%, to be honest. I mean, the band had gone on hiatus for quite a few years to really get their adult lives going because they had basically just, ever since teens, been doing the band. Yeah, they wanted sure to, they wanted to like to have a bit of settle down and stuff. But they felt, they felt, you know, music was their lives, and they had to come back, and they had to do it. I, I wonder. I mean, even now talking about, it, trying to think of like how it relates. Maybe it's not about the album. Maybe it's about where they were in their lives. You know, that they needed to to remove themselves from the music to. I don't want to say right. be normal, but kind of, you know. But, you know, like, you know, start a foundation doing something else. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and declare, yeah, if not now, then when? But know? not being able to d- deny the fact that music was their lives. And so, you know, they can go on hiatus mm-hmm. for a bit, but they are called back to what they really are. So maybe maybe there's a bit of this. Yeah. I thought it opened up far more maturely and more interestingly than previous albums with some fairly understated instrumentation. Even at track two, though, I noticed this is a pretty poppy album. And um, no hating. They make a pretty good pop band. They, they, they do. They, they, they've got the format down. Defiance, stripped down rock track with acoustic guitar. Awesome. In the Company of Wolves, excellent. Starting simply but building up to an epic piece with piano balanced against sorrowful guitar. Switchblade is cool and frantic. And a great closing track with Tomorrow's Food, a mix of acoustic rock and produced pop. Yeah, I I actually really enjoyed this album. I thought it was really good. I said they they have strong title tracks. Again, if not now, when is the the first one? It starts off on a pleasant note. Although I said it uh, reminds me a bit of worship music. Curiously enough, interesting. Yeah, which I which I would never have suspected. Actually, there is a bit of a Christian rock vibe to the album. Which you know, don't don't be too scared. I feel like definitely the better end of that <laughs> um, of that spec because you know, not like. More like 90s newsboys rather than modern newsboys, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. say, let's say. But I could see this pissing off some fans, because it is, it is, this album is a fair bit watered down compared to what they've done before. So I could see, like, people who wanted the edgier Incubus to be mad, <laughs> like, listening to it. 
That being said, I actually feel like the songwriting holds up. It holds up not too bad. Uh, I feel like uh, also the production holds up really well. And um, the middle is a bit soft, but you noted as as well in The Company of Wolves, um, it's a song that really thinks outside the box and uh, and really grows into something uh, quite big and quite adventurous. Switchblade picks up the pace. Adolescence is so-so. And Tomorrow's Food is a great moody closer. So again, I feel like the end of it, uh, the end of the album is mostly good. Most like most, some of the best stuff. But um, yeah, I was also kind of pleasantly surprised by this album because yeah, even though like, I don't know if I were like really into Incubus, I could see like feeling kind of like betrayed or whatever. You know, it does hold up. It, it, it like if you actually listen to it for what it is rather than like what you may want it to be. It's actually not a bad album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I so yeah, I can get behind it. If not now, when I think I think the hiatus was good for them. It it uh, cleared their heads a bit. It was able to be a new like a new launching point. And, and also yeah, enough time away, you could understand why they would want to be in a different headspace than where they were at. So yeah, I I, I dig it. I think it's pretty good. May of twenty fifteen, there was a an EP called Trustfall Side A. Mm-hmm. Now, for all the, the the praise I've given EPs for their stack and stuff, oh my god, what a boring cover. <laughs> How immensely disappointing. Oh, I yeah, the cover is just... It's just them. Yeah, it's just them. It's just this, like, yeah, really, guys? Like, uh, really? This is what we're doing now? Like, <laughs> um, where did that go? Yeah, every time we come back to it, it's even more boring than I remember. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, black and white photos. I mean, you know, they're all... Dress nice, I guess. It's <laughs> yeah. a good font. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's yeah. The that's font's good. the best part, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Trustfall, the title track, is a good song, but it overstays its welcome. Make Out Party. Uh, it is struggling whether to be a goofy song or not. I think the tempo and the percussion don't help the silliness of the lyrics. Brandon's lyrics and singing convey a faster and lighter tone than the music delivers. Also, he does falsetto. Like the 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 it's it's like the instrumentation's a, a, a sort of just a rock song, but his he's got some really good lyrics about uh, making out. Uh, Absolution calling is probably the best song on here with a great frantic energy behind the guitar. But all in all, I was actually really disappointed by this EP. I'd give it a I say half half myself. Uh, I, I started just saying they know what they did. <laughs> Welcome back to rock and give this. Because I, I feel like this is this is a little bit them retreating with their tail between their legs. Maybe there was a bit of too much negative backlash or something from If Not Now When. Or they just felt like they really wanted to go back to rock. Yeah, the first two tracks feel like they're mostly just trying to prove that they still can rock. Mm. Yeah, it didn't really interest me. I was just like, ah, it's all kind of like, eh, you know, like, it's not, it's not terrible. But the Absolution Calling is definitely the star of the batch. And uh, feeling uh, genuinely, it feels genuinely fresh and exciting. Like some really different stuff that they're doing uh, production-wise and songwriting-wise. Like it just, it sounds uh, like a very unique entity in their uh, in their catalog and I really like it. And Dance Like You're Dumb, it's fun. It's fun. I don't. I don't dislike it at all. I think it's pretty fun. And it's got it's got a bit of a death from above nineteen seventy nine kind of kind of vibe to it, but no, not like aggressive enough. It's a it's a fun little track, and I think that it, for where it is, you know, the last track on a little EP 
it does the job just fine. But Absolution Calling for sure is the uh, is the champion of this batch. So they get together and start recording some new material with a producer named Dave Sardi. And we're going through it and going through it and going through the motions, but they weren't really very happy with the output. Skrillex himself, who's a friend of the band, comes in. He says, can I listen to your stuff? And they're just like, sure. He goes in. He starts mixing a bunch of it, uh, doing some curious things. Like, if he really dismantled the tracks and put them back together again, sometimes he would remove parts of songs entirely that they thought were indispensable. Like, he would take out, like, a bridge entirely that they were that they really loved, but they thought it would work better afterwards. Yeah, uh, and we get their eighth album. Eight. YouTube has all these songs compiled into lyric videos, um, which, if you've never seen a lyric, you probably have seen lyric videos, folks, but they're just, like, they're videos with not much going on, except the lyrics kind of going by. And yeah, and usually like some, like, psychedelic imagery and stuff like that. You know, it's basically just, like, a, a little... I, I feel like it's got two objectives. One is to make a little bit of revenue off of the tracks <laughs> before you get the album out there. Yeah. And also to generate some buzz around for the album as well. And that's that's basically the point behind the, the lyrics video. It's uh, like a band solution to people just uploading the songs with the album cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically it. It begins more aggressively, more like past Incubus. Um, okay, well, I will say that on the whole... I wasn't, like, shocked by this album or challenged or pleasantly surprised. I felt, you know, it was, it was a little more return to form. Um, but, you know, it, it was, again, pretty good. And uh, they're on an island now. Their label is now Island, which I found interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't feel like this is a last album form. It just doesn't feel like it tonally. It doesn't feel like it. it's like, a yeah, we're capping our career sort of thing. It feels like uh, just another step. So... I, I would have a really hard time believing that this this would be their last album. Um, I'd say it doesn't reinvent the wheel or even like achieve greatness, but it's often pretty good actually. So it's probably their most unified and consistent album since the early two thousands. And what it's got going for it for sure is that it's tight. Like it's way shorter than the last few albums. It's. Mm. At, well, I guess, you know, 40 minutes isn't exactly, like, super streamlined, but for, considering they only have, like, you know, 13 tracks is, like, almost an hour or whatever, like, that, that for whatever reason, it felt, it felt tight. It didn't feel like it dragged at all, which is, which is nice. And it feels good to have, you know, a good rock album these days, because I just feel like we don't have those very much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just modern day music, like, rock has kind of gone under the radar and, it's just not in the pop charts so much. So the fact that, you know, there's Incubus is back making rock music, you know, still going strong. Uh, it's kind of refreshing in a strange way, even though this isn't necessarily refreshing for their, in this, you know, in their catalog or whatever. The highlight I'd say is Make No Sound because it is a, it's a cool, oh, sorry, Make No Sound in the Digital Forest. It's a cool instrumental. Oh, I, yes. I love right. I love a lot of their instrumentals. That's right. I remember um, that. Yeah. And it is I just feel like it's it's just got a really cool vibe to it and a really cool mood and just uh, I heard it and I'm like, ooh, ooh, oh, they got it. They got it again. Um yeah, but I I feel it's uh it's it's all pretty good, which is nice. It, it it's it's nice when it doesn't it doesn't drag. It's they could go anywhere, but I don't feel like they will go anywhere. I think they will continue to release that, you know, please most of their fan base by continually releasing 
fairly safe albums uh, with with the occasional experimentation. I, I that's that's the direction I kind of feel like they will always keep going in. For my notes for the, uh, notes for them like as as a whole, as opposed to just down like an album note. Um, I feel like Incubus are at their best when they're outside of the box. Their, their pop rock is is fine, but they can be and have been much more. And we get glimpses of that, glimpses of their of kind of like true genius, all through the careers, but only glimpses of it through through stuff that through a lot of stuff that is average to pretty good. So sometimes it just it does kind of feel like a bit of a wasted opportunity. Mm. But I'd say that they're worth listening to for those moments. And if you just if you do just want some songs that are you know pop rock or 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 even heavier than that songs you know i i do feel like it's 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 worth it for the ride <sighs> it's the ride is worth it for for those moments mm-hmm. for sure yeah cool let's do some track recommendations well i'm gonna i'm gonna fall back on a on a classic of, of a favorite from my youth or uh adolescence wish you were here um, a really great uh, summer jam, nice uh, hard rock's edge, but uh, but not super aggressive. It's kind of like hard rock for the beach. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great it is a uh, it's a great track, uh, a very memorable hit of theirs. Um, yeah, I, I could not. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't have enough nice things to say about Wish You Were Here. I just think it's a it's a great. It holds up pretty good. Um, for the rock of the early 2000s. Not all of it ages super well. This one, this one does. I'm going to go with... You know, I'm going to go with Absolution Calling. Um, yeah, I, I feel like just the fact that it's a, it's a, just a nice standout track uh, from that little EP. Um, apparently they thought so too because it's the one they released in the single. Just got a lot of cool personality, a lot of uh, neat things they do with uh, production. Um, and it's, yeah, Moody's all get out. I, I think it's, yeah, I don't know, it just, it just feels like it's, it's actually really fresh and new and interesting for them. Probably, um, probably, yeah, one of the best things they put out, uh, in this, uh, decade, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, be sure to check that one out. I'm gonna go with, sorry if this is one of yours, Steve. But I'm going to go with Battlestar Skrlachika. Skrlachika. Um, it's this little anomaly on Make Yourself. Uh, this this cool like funky vibe with a a lot of like just a lot of that uh, the, a lot of the fun stuff you know like just they just let themselves be loose and have fun and it really shines through this track, uh, making it a, another unique entry in their catalog. Um, and and uh, I feel like with those tracks you get a really nice sense of their range. Um, and what they what they're able to accomplish when they when they put their minds to it, or maybe, or maybe when they just let the music happen, you know. Check it out. All the way back, enjoy Incubus as we think we is uh, this version of it. Well, like I said, it's it's a party track. It's a lot of fun. Um, they are clearly having a great time as they make the music, and um, it's fun to listen to. Again, I think it would be great live. You get a bit of horns coming in, which you really don't hear that much of in their career. And um, both uh, Einziger and Pasillas are top of their game, which is shocking given how early in their career this is. So definitely check out As We Think We Is. 
going to science, magic medicine. Like I said, fascinating, fun, trip hop. One of the only times they've really dabbled in trip hop. A really kind of groovy um, and interesting uh, little song that, that's, on the whole, I'm kind of ho-hum about, about a lot of science, but this one really stands out. And again, they are at their best when they're experimenting, and this is one of their earliest experimentation tracks. And, uh, and they're all the better for it. I feel like I liked science a lot more than you did. I th yeah, I think you did, actually. Yeah. And then finally, if not now, when in the company of wolves. The way the guitar is played has so much depth and meaning and emotion to it. And Boyd, again, he's, he's, he's reined in, which is great. It's, it's, it's legitimately epic. It goes on an arc. A piano comes in as well, which again, you don't hear really too much piano in Incubus as well. Um, it's it's the longest song on the album. It's uh, over seven minutes, but I mean, it doesn't feel like it because it's it's so good and it's so well paced. And um, I mean, honestly, I love hearing. I you said this as well. When Incubus steps out of the box, they're the strongest. And not just the, all three of these songs really. I I think um, progressively showcase this more and more. That when they're willing to take risks and stuff, you get really really nice stuff. So yeah, that's what I got. Cool, man. Oh, wow. Cool. I think we're still kind of uh, trying to suss out what we're going to do for Jay. No, I thought we were going to do Joy Division, weren't we? Oh, yes, we were, actually. No, yeah, we were doing Joy Division. The question I... is, do we want to follow it up and end with New Order? Maybe. We might. I think let's see how Joy Division goes. And then I want to go because <laughs> sure. New Order's uh, discography is significantly larger than Joy Division. But also, not as large as you may think it is. Hmm. Fair enough. Cool. Although I think I might go, I think I might go for that too. Um, yeah. So, what do you think of Incubus? What do you think of Joy Division? What do you think of the Helio sequence? Why don't you contact us and let us know? There's a few ways you can do that. The first is our website, musicazpodcast.com. Check out our show notes, post, leave messages, all that fun stuff. Go to our Facebook page, Music A to Z Podcast, and uh, join in the conversation. See the videos and the articles and all the fun stuff that we post there. Our Twitter account, at musicazpodcast.com, at musicazpodcast.com. Whenever we go out to shows, we like to live tweet and give reviews, and I love chatting with people there. And then also on iTunes, for heaven's sakes, hit us up on reviews. Search for us under the podcast section, ratings and reviews. Put down your thoughts, put down your ratings, and that way we can get entered into an algorithm so other people who like this type of content can be reached. Totes my goats. Check me out on YouTube, uh, moving underscore pictures, that's pictures with a K, for movie reviews, Beast Wars reviews, video game reviews, fun things, we try and be funny, we really try, uh, I'm, re I'm really proud of the work there, I think, uh, I think I'm really finding a stride, and, uh, and I'd love to share it all with you, it's not music related though, so, you know, <sighs> take that for what it is. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we would love we would love it if you subscribe. We're at that stage right now where every subscriber counts, and so if you wanna wanna be my new best friend, that's, that's how you can do it. That's how it's done. Join two hundred fifty three of my other best friends. Cool. Well, anything else, Captain? Nar. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to close this out by saying Music A to Z podcast is hosted by Stephen and Doug Ferguson and is produced by me, Stephen Ferguson. You should check out our other works at DougJCFerguson.com and StephenGCFerguson.ca. 